then it comes down to a question of like, when and how do I manifest? And what I really believe is that in order to manifest, you have to be in alignment with God and the things that you want to attract. And that means you have to operate in such a way where you're being of contribution and a good person, even when people are not looking. Because if you're like out there cheating on your wife or like the word that you like to use is hoodwinking investors and doing things that are out of integrity, your connection with God decreases and your ability to manifest decreases. It's not the mistake that matters. It's how you deal with it, what you learn from it, and how you apply that lesson to your life. Welcome to Multifamily Missteps, where your host Jerome Myers brings on apartment investors from around the country, big and small, to share with you the lessons they wish somebody would have told them. These short episodes are designed to expedite your journey to growing a profitable apartment portfolio without all the mistakes that others have made. We're super excited that you're here. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got Ruben Greth in the building. It's the first time having him on a podcast. I've been yeah. on this show a few times, but we definitely had him at the Mid-Atlantic Multifamily Investing Conference. Hola, mi amigo. What's up, dude? Thank you for having me on the show, dude. It's been a long time coming. Been wanting to come on. I guess I didn't push it, man, but really excited, stoked, and honored to be in your presence on your show. Rocking out, man. This is going to be fun. Man, you never told me you wanted to come on my podcast. I thought mine was too small. You, you What? <laughs> you, get, you get all kinds of downloads. The Capital Razor Show is out of here. Anyway, so for the listeners who have been living under a rock, they have no idea who Ruben is. Tell them a little bit about you and what you've been doing for the past decade. Hmm. Well, it wasn't always the case because I disappeared from real estate for probably about five years. But I started in small, small multifamily raising capital for four plexes here in Phoenix. Ended up splitting. I raised like 600K. That's my introduction to, to raising capital. And then I split up with my partner, sold off all of my properties, which was a huge mistake, by the way. If I had kept those deals that I was buying at $20,000 a unit, they're all worth about $100,000 a unit now. I'd be millionaire status. But you know, I needed to pay the bills. So I sold off my properties. And then since I ran out of money, I was like, well, what do I do now? I ended up back in corporate America. I had this limiting belief that multifamily partners don't grow on trees. And I, because I can't be stuck behind a desk, one day I just quit my job and went down to Mexico for about a year, was doing a lot of meditation and spiritual analysis and introspection and was kind of putting out to the universe that I would really like to find a woman. And in Acapulco, I happened to find her. And then a few years later, we ended up getting married. I ended up after spending a year in Mexico, coming back to the United States. And all I knew at that point in time was fourplexes. So I was like, I'm going to buy a fourplex, multiply my portfolio five times, end up with 32 fourplexes, 128 units, and I'll be done. And I presented this methodical plan to somebody at the local real estate investor association, ASRIA. And they're like, 128 units. Hmm. Why don't you just go take them down now? Like, you know, why are you going to struggle and do this whole thing by yourself? You should partner up with some other people and just take it down. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that, man. I have zero units right now. What do I need to do to kind of educate myself in this syndication space that he had introduced me to? And being that it was a team sport, 
I was like, okay, so I'm going to go hire somebody to teach me this business. And in the process, I also was interviewing local syndicators, found a mom and pop group that was doing multifamily value add, or actually say heavy lift, perhaps outgrew or decided that we weren't in alignment with this previous company. I went off to go launch my own fund, partnered with Andy McMullen. And now we run a couple of funds that do a variety of different things, including built to rent. And then we raise capital for other people. And this whole process from when I came back to Mexico and got into syndication to becoming a fund manager happened in about two and a half years. So I still feel like a rookie. Like I, in some cases, you know, I feel like I belong, but at the same time, I feel like at times I don't know what I'm doing and still just trying to learn as much as I can. But this is where I find myself today. Having gone through a couple of different cycles of different versions of capital raising, I've learned, you know, how to raise from joint ventures, then how to raise from co-GPs, and now how to run funds, raise from LPs and from other capital raisers that we make part owners of our funds. And then, you know, at some level, I am now a owner operator in the build to rent space, which is just mind blowing that this all happened in the last couple of years. Whoa. So you talked about manifestation, you talked about funds, you've talked about raising money. Some people are like, what? Like, how's that possible? You were just in corporate America. So, like, we've never went down this road, but you and I do unconventional shows anyway. So let's go there, man. What what led you to this concept or understanding that there was such a thing as being able to manifest? And then how did you go (laughs) from actually thinking that it was possible to know? I was introduced to a guy named Wayne Dyer by one of my friends who was not really an entrepreneur. He was living in kind of a, not a ghetto, but like along the airport. And he read this book called Meditations for Manifesting by Wayne Dyer. And then he started practicing what he read in there and said, oh, I want to attract investments. I want to attract passive income. And within a matter of, I think, a year, like the airport annexed the location where he lived and essentially kicked him out, but had to pay him passive income. And then he was a truck driver. And in his truck driving route, he met some guy that was a gold miner, like literally in Arizona, Congress, Arizona. He invested some money into a gold mining operation. He believed that he attracted this from this meditative practice that he did through this book called Meditations for Manifesting by Wayne Dyer. And I was like, what? That's just, that's stupid. That doesn't exist. That's not real. So I started studying and reading a lot of Wayne Dyer's material and it wasn't quite as woo-woo as he made it sound. There was a really a, a practice and a belief system and a level of being at peace that he was describing and coming from, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I learned was that if you can come from a place of gratitude and focus on the things that you would like to attract as if you have already attracted them, he basically was explaining that this is the way to manifest. And so I tried it. I read the book. I did the chance. I just wanted to see if it would work. And then I started believing that it was possible to attract certain things into my life and wrote down a complete description of this perfect ideal woman and then prayed from a place of gratitude as if I was already connected to her all along my path when I was camping in Mexico after I'd quit my corporate America job. And just randomly it happened in Acapulco. I was, you know, basically just sitting on the street with my dogs, drinking a beer and this 
very beautiful young lady came out of a network marketing event. And I was like, why are you dressed so nice? And she's like, oh, you know, I just got out of a network marketing event. I'm like, really? That means, you know, if you're in Mexico as a young lady, you have to deal with a lot of rejection. You probably have a coach. And then she's like, well, in fact, I do have a coach. So we started talking about coaching. I broke down what I knew about Wayne Dyer. And she's like, oh, wow, you seem like you know a lot about spirituality and and these types of things and coaching and entrepreneurship. I need to spend time with you. And that whole thing led to us getting married a few, you know, many, many years later. But that's when I started believing in the power of manifestation. And now I believe because I've practiced it over and over and seen even in under high pressure situations when I'm in a personal development seminar and people are like, Hey, you need to, you need to raise money for charity or you need to do this and get your money in so that we can all go to Costa Rica and then being broke or not having a dollar in in my pocket and then manifesting a trip to Costa Rica within a 90 day period of time. Like I started getting proof that if I operate this way and do the principles that Wayne Dyer talks about, that this whole concept of manifestation becomes reality. And I know that that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but when you prove it to yourself over and over that these things happen, you start to believe Then it comes down to a question of like, when and how do I manifest? And what I really believe is that in order to manifest, you have to be in alignment with God and the things that you want to attract. And that means you have to operate in such a way where you're being of contribution and a good person, even when people are not looking. Because if you're like out there cheating on your wife or like the word that you like to use is hoodwinking investors and doing things that are out of integrity, your connection with God decreases and your ability to manifest decreases. So when you operate from a good peace place of mind and, you know, kind of from your heart and of contribution and doing things in a good, you know, you know, practicing the golden rule on a regular basis when nobody is looking, when you're not in church, then that gives you the power to connect with God at such a high level that you can attract and manifest things. So I try to live my life as best as I can in that kind of way. So hopefully we kind of went down the rabbit hole and I was able to explain why I believe I can manifest. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order slowing or eliminating their ability to get the next deal done. We have developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they use our system, they create time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Multifamily Kickstart program has proven to be the fastest way to establish credibility and build a profitable apartment portfolio. Hop over to JeromeMyers.co to find out more. Wow. Well, I mean, it's, you've got proof because it's worked in your world. So, you know, with that said, I would assume that everything that you've done in real estate or everything that you've heard real estate investors do haven't worked out specifically as they desire for it to manifest. And so the question that I have for you is, do you have any stories, maybe one or two, that you could share with the listeners about missteps that you've either had yourself or you've experienced through interviewing 
hundreds of people at this point related to multifamily investing. Well, I don't want to talk about anybody that I've interviewed. Their story is their story and mine is mine. I would say like the biggest misstep that I think is prevalent for your audience or for the capital raiser out there that's really looking to scale is, you know, when I got on board with my previous company, they had quote unquote, raised $50 million. But typically it was from one-off investors and or they described really the raising of private loans, I should say like hard money loans or loans as capital, which I mean, if if the money is not yours and you can take down properties, even if it's a loan and there's you know um, something, you know, recourse loans and, and obligations that you have to pay on these things, that is a form of raising capital. But what I realized you know, from coming from the world of small multifamily joint venture capital raising to becoming, and I think this is the misstep that a lot of people coming from single family have, which is the what the same one that this company had and that I had because I wasn't aware, is we believe that we can raise money if the deal is good enough. You know, we're really good at acquisitions. We'll go find a deal. If the deal is good enough, the money will pour in or we can at least find it. And these guys actually had a track record where this was was true to some extent. But as you're scaling and getting bigger, what we discovered and the misstep that we made was that we eventually are going to run out of friends and capital, friends and family capital. And if we don't have systems, marketing, structure, nurturing, education, platforms, you know, I should say like a, a syndication pro portal. All of these tools and the ability to to have conversations with people yesterday in order to get them to invest with us today, we're never going to raise any capital. And we found ourselves really stuck. Like, what do we do for capital? We have a deal under contract. We have no LP database. We've never raised from LPs. Let's hire Ruben. Maybe he can solve all of the capital raising problems. I didn't know a damn thing when I got on board with this particular company. So my biggest quickest solution and the way that I conquered this misstep of not having an LP database for this company, I was like, oh, how do I you know, bring some capital in? And the solution that I created, which is you know, not untypical, I went out and raised from co-GPs. I was like, I can, I can go meet a bunch of capital raisers. I, I interview them on my show all day. And then, so I got a couple of co-GPs. We obviously had to give a piece of our company to them, but the money was all of a sudden available, right? So we raised like about, a, I raised about a million dollars for a couple of uh, projects. And then eventually, because there was no change uh, from that company in terms of we're going to implement branding, we're going to implement marketing, we're going Im- to implement communications. I decided that, you know, maybe I should just go off and launch a fund. And that was that was kind of the misstep that led, you know, and and their potential misstep was that they would not change and kind of would implement those systems. And it caused me to go and seek something better, which is actually perfect in, in God's world. It allowed me to go and challenge myself and take myself on, even though I was terrified, to go and basically self-actualize into a version of myself that was better than beyond anything that I could have ever become while working at that company. So that's that's kind of the misstep that I wanted to talk about today. Wow. Okay. And so 
the is this why you picked the fund model for the next phase of your journey in investing? The fund model I picked because I was, you know, once I started the show, I talked to a bunch of capital raisers, talked to a bunch of sponsors, and I wanted to know how do I make money putting these guys together, right? I have access to these sponsors. I have access to these guys that are really good at raising capital. And the attorneys, all the ones that I interviewed said the same thing. Hey, you got to start your own fund. You can't do this legally, compliantly with the SEC any other way. So then I started getting crazy about funds and just everybody that had ever been a fund manager, I had them come on my show and I picked their brains on on how they run their, their funds and then had a bunch of attorneys on and said, what are the different types of fund structures? Like, how do I create this? Like, when does it make sense to start a fund? I talked to business advisors that help people start funds. And over a period of time, I started to realize, hey, I think I can do a fund because a lot of people in the multifamily or any space, real estate space, they're like, I can never start a fund until I've done like 20 syndications. That's like the next level. And then I started finding people like Hunter Thompson that their very first capital raise was in a fund. And it's a, it was a mindset shift. Anybody can start a fund. Even a, a first time capital raiser can start a fund. But, you know, like, what do you need to do in order to launch a fund? Part of it is mindset, right? You know, same thing with syndication. Like, what gives you the right to take down a $5 million deal if nobody in your family has ever purchased anything that's worth more than $500,000? Why do you think so? That's all boils back down to the kinds of people that you're hanging out with and the types of nurturing that you're feeding into your brain and the belief systems that you have in place that things are possible. Being a fund manager is possible and you don't have to do all of this crazy stuff to start your own fund. Obviously, you probably need some money and some systems, but you don't have to go through this, you know, easing and leveling up the way single family guys do to get into multifamily and then from there go into funds. You can go from not owning your own house to being a fund manager immediately, but hopefully you have a good network before you do so. And, you know, that's the business fund advisors will tell you, hey, if you have no network, don't start a fund because an attorney will set that up for you and charge you 15 grand. But if you don't have the ability to raise, then you know, you're going to be screwed. So what was the, in all the people that you interviewed and maybe in your experience up to this point, what was the thing that you were most worried about not going right when kicking off the fund? Uh, so it was more of an implementation of everything, right? So I had to start my own website. I had to pick an attorney. I had to put in the systems, get in syndication pro, manage the entire thing by myself, you know, go find a deal sponsor, tell people that I was raising money. And, you know, they might've asked, how many of these funds have you done? And if my answer was zero, you know, I'd have to deal with that objection. So a lot of that was solved when Andy McMullen was just like, Hey, just come join me instead of starting your own fund. Instead of paying 15 grand to do this, I've already launched a bunch of funds. I have the track record. What I don't have is the tools. I don't have the automations, implementations, the, the branding. I don't have the national exposure from your show. Let's put this thing together. I've got capital raising skills. You have marketing skills. The two of us together can take this and make a real contribution to the world and help a lot of people get rich You know, while we help our own families too. So I was like, yeah, baby, sign me up for that all day long. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's a good guy. I was able to spend a little bit of time with him when I was out in California back in September. So really That's right. good to put flesh together since we were in the same space for once instead of just high-fiving on LinkedIn. Okay. So you found somebody, you partnered with somebody that has some experience. 
you took advantage of the experience and the brand recognition that you've created over the past couple of years. You guys put this thing together and now we're going to ride off into the sunset and build wealth for not only ourselves, but for those people who partner with us on deals. That's what I pray for from a place of gratitude as if it already exists. Manifestation. Now we're back to the beginning of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ruben, if people want to find out more about you or your fun, where should they go? They can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I have Instagram. You can follow me at Capital Razor. But the best way is, you know, if you're interested in starting your own fund or you want to talk shop about multifamily, you know, whatever that looks like. I don't care if you're a brand new investor, you've never invested in anything, or you're like a multi hundred million dollar capital raiser that has never launched a fund. I may know more about funds than you do, even though you've raised hundred times more amounts of money than I have, but I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody and have a blast doing so. I got nothing for sale. So contact me on any of those platforms. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, first time we talked about funds or manifestational multifamily missteps. So you got an amazing episode and it's always valuable to get to hang out with my amigo. Ruben. So to the listeners, the pack's with you. We'll talk soon. You made it all the way to the end. So that means you love this episode of Multifamily Missteps. I need a favor from you. The only way this show grows is if more people know about it. So do me a favor, take a screenshot and post it on your favorite social media platform and tag me in it. Who knows? We may have you as the next guest. I look forward to sharing the episode with you next week.